Hey, kia ora EC whanau. My name is Angela Bush from EC Learning Unlimited. I have an extensive and varied background in early childhood education for over 30 years. I'm a passionate teacher, leader and professional learning advocate. Keeping current in ECE podcasts are for teachers, leaders and anyone with a passion for continuous growth in early years education. You're listening to one of our Lunch Bite podcasts where we bring you bite-sized, useful information in less than 15 minutes. So let's get stuck in. Today's Lunch Bite podcast is a response to a letter I received from a teacher who was concerned about how to support one of her children to resettle after the child had been absent for a little while. Here's what the teacher wrote. I have a child at the moment whose drop-offs and pickups can be a real challenge. I believe I've built a good relationship with this child, but it's getting to the point where I'm left feeling mentally exhausted by the end of the day and completely shattered by the end of the week. And it's making me feel like I've formed an inappropriate relationship because I'm so exhausted. And I feel like I don't get any one-on-one with the other children in my primary care group. This child is wanting me to constantly pick her up and carry her around. Then when I say, Kate, I'm just going to put you down because it's tiring carrying you around. You can sit with me on the floor if you like. She really doesn't like this and she will get very upset and start crying. So I will say, Kate, when you're ready, you can come and sit with me. It's too tiring for Fire Susie to carry you around all day. With my hands spread out open, this usually takes about one minute. Then she'll come and sit on my knee for a cuddle. Also, if I'm with another child, Kate gets jealous and doesn't want to share me. One-on-one with another child, Kate will come and ask me to pick her up. I do usually just say, Kate, you can come and sit with me and have a cuddle if you like. Mat time is a good example. I'll have someone on one knee, but Kate wants to sit on my knee by herself. I just say, Kate, here's my other knee you can sit on. There's plenty of room for you here. And nine times out of ten, she won't come. She will get very, very upset. My question is, am I being too harsh on this child? And do you have any ideas or strategies I can use here to help her? So I asked Susie a little bit of detail about this child to understand the context of and the background. And she's two years and three months old. She comes five days a week at the moment, 8.30 to 3.30. She is part of a blended family at home with mum, dad and an older brother who is around eight years old. So she is the youngest. So today I'm going to share with you my response to Susie, which went a little like this. Hi, Susie. Great question you have sent me. And it is a really important question because one, your personal well-being matters here. Two, the child's emotional well-being matters here. Three, the mother's well-being matters. The family's well-being matters. And four, this situation has the potential to turn to complete custard, (laughs) resulting in your burnout, the child getting worse and potentially being emotionally and spiritually damaged and the mother's and the family's anxiety or guilt will get worse. All of this leaves everyone feeling really yuck and is not where we want anyone to be. So let's sink our teeth into helping everyone to feel better and to supporting this child towards being a confident, competent learner. Let's get started. First of all, Susie, what you have been doing so far is great. You have been recognising that this is a tough time for Kate and acknowledging her feelings with empathy. You've been making space for her and you've been inviting her to be with you in healthy ways that allows you to be with other children also. 
using open hands and being at her level, talking through her through what you are doing, letting her know that you're available, but also creating limits is all really great stuff. You also said that she had started to improve recently before a break. So this demonstrates that the strategies you have been using, plus your kind, gentle, calm, responsive, caring approach has been effective in the past with this child. I have to warn you, however, that there is no magic wand here. There unfortunately never is, because we are working with complex human beings, not groceries. So remember that whatever you do is going to take a little time. Be patient with yourself, with Kate and with her family. We so often think that we're only being a good teacher if we're engaging children in the learning stuff, you know, creating with arts and crafts, doing mat times or building blocks, etc. But nurturing a child's wairua or their emotional and spiritual well-being, building a trusting relationship and ensuring this child feels safe and connected here is the most important thing. Without this, you can forget any other learning opportunities, you can forget any other part of the curriculum. What this child is learning here is how healthy relationships flourish and grow. Kate is learning how to build connections with other people. She is developing strategies for healthy relationships that are based on mutual trust, respect and care. She is learning about giving and receiving love and it's these early relationship experiences that are forming the blueprint for your future relationships. What could be more important than this, I ask you? Okay, so in a situation like this, I like to take a step back, take a deep breath, and think about the context and the different perspectives that are at play here. So let's start with Kate and her context. Kate is the youngest child in the blended family who has siblings that are a fair bit older than her. Now, I may be making some assumptions here, but in the 30 years that I've been caring for young children, in my experience, Kate will be very loved and her family, mum, dad and siblings all probably respond to her every whim. There's a quite a big age gap between Kate and the other children. And this is because they adore her and they want her to be okay. And she's their baby. Sometimes they may do things for her because now that she's two, nearly two and a half, that she actually could easily do by herself or that she could actually learn to do by herself with a bit of support. Sometimes the families might do things for Kate just to get a bit of peace too. And this might include things like carrying her rather than letting her walk, getting her bag for her, fetching her cup and anything she wants, basically. Kate has learned that if she wants something to be done for her, all she has to do is yell or throw herself down on the ground and it magically happens. So now this has become a habit for everyone, rather than an actual need most of the time. Two months ago, Kate started at the centre, where she is no longer the youngest sibling, with an adoring family to attend to her all day. There are other children around her all the time who are a similar age and who she is just giving her head around. Developmentally, she is still egocentric. The world is all about me. So for Kate beginning to understand that others also have needs is new to her. And this will take some time as she matures and settles in. 
remember from Kate's perspective, everything is still very new. She's still learning how things work here. In an early childhood centre versus at home, Kate probably has to wait a little longer at times for the things she needs and wants. She has a primary caregiver who she clearly knows is there for her, and she has formed secure, healthy attachment with you, which is perfect. But for Kate, she'll be referencing her close relationship with you to the close relationships she has with her family, because this is what she knows. She is using all her usual strategies to get you to understand how things work from her perspective. But strangely, you just don't respond the same as her favorite people at home. So she's still working on convincing you to get with her picture. Remember, Kate's attendance was recently interrupted by a break, an extended break, during the early stages of her settling process, which has undoubtedly had an impact on her. Okay, so let's have a think about how this looks and feels from mum's perspective. As I don't know this mum, I'm very mindful not to jump to conclusions. And you will probably know this mum and what is going on for her best season. But what I do know about all mums is that parenting carries very strong emotional ties. As parents, we constantly feel a wide range of emotions that affect our ability to make decisions, and cope with the 24-7 demands of parenting. At the heart, of course, is love for this child. Kate is coming to the centre five days a week, so I'm just going to make some assumptions that mum and dad are back to work. And this can sometimes lead to feelings of guilt. But also, if mum thinks that Kate is making a fuss, she may feel embarrassed or that her child is taking far too much of your attention. I don't know what her personal beliefs are about children's behaviour, but it's possible she may consider Kate's behaviour as a bit naughty, for want of a better word, or attention-seeking. Whatever mum thinks or feels is a very important part of this equation, as she will be one of your biggest influences and allies in supporting Kate. So it's important that you're able to work in partnership with her. And then there is you, Susie, the primary caregiver. As a primary caregiver and a very kind, caring person, you have Kate's best interests at heart. You have worked hard to create a stable, trusting relationship with Kate and her family. You are using respectful practices that align with your centre's RIVE philosophy and which demonstrate your care for Kate. You've been using some really great setting strategies to reassure Kate, to let her know that you're there for her and to create some reasonable and fair boundaries. However, it's really important that we acknowledge that as a primary caregiver, you are being physically and emotionally responsive to multiple children five days a week. While this work is deeply rewarding, satisfying and mostly enjoyable, it is actually exhausting at times. The role of a primary caregiver is a complex juggle of meeting the needs of very young children their parents' wishes, and also being part of a team. We give and give and give, and often find ourselves laying in the fetal position on the couch at the end of the week. But because we love what we do, we get up on Monday and do it all over again. When we have a child who needs a bit more from us for now, we can feel as if we're not doing a good enough job for them and for the other children also in our care. We naturally want the best we can for all of the children in our primary care group. Okay, now that we have some understanding of the different possible perspectives, 
What are the answers? Where to from here? First of all, Susie, number one, please know that you are already doing a great job for Kate. And also know that this will pass. Number two, relationship, relationship, relationship. Our early years curriculum is based on relationship and this is where it truly kicks in. Keep the relationship with Kate and her mum at the forefront of your thinking and daily priorities. Nothing is more important than building and maintaining a trusting, secure relationship. You are the centre of Kate's daisy and she needs to know that you are there for her consistently. As she begins to feel more and more comfortable in this new environment, she will begin to move away from you more to explore and play and learn other things. When she knows that she can come back to you and that you are still there for her, she will start to move away for longer periods and eventually feel more comfortable comfortable about sharing you with others. Remember, if you think about a daisy, you are the yellow part of Kate's daisy in the middle, always there reliably in the middle. Her movements away from you are like the white petals. Some are long, some are short, but they all start from the middle and move out and circle back to the middle. Be Kate's daisy. Number three, set boundaries and reaffirm these. Being emotionally and physically available to Kate does not mean that you are not also available to other children. As you are already doing, you will need to set boundaries and reaffirm these over and over until Kate understands them fully and tests them less. Remember, she's a toddler. Testing limits and boundaries is in her DNA. It's very normal for want of a better term. Keep talking to her and telling her what her options are, but never more than two choices at once. As you've been doing already, let her know that she can either sit next to you or on your knee, but that you are also making room for this other child to sit here too. As much as you can, take deep breaths. Remain calm and warm and firm. You don't need to repeat these choices over and over. She heard you the first time. If she cries or throws herself on the floor, just hold space for her and let her know that you're here for her when she's ready. For example, I know that you'd really like to sit on my lap alone, Kate, but I'm also here with Sam. I've got room for you right here next to me. And pat the floor next to you, showing her where she can come and sit. You may need to ask one of your team to ensure other children don't fill that Kate's empty space next to you for now. That space really does need to be available for her. If she cries, you can say something to acknowledge her feelings, but that still leaves the choice with her. Like this. Kate, I know this is hard for you, I'm right here saving space for when you are ready. And wait. Smile and wait. Give Kate plenty of time to process how she is feeling and to work through it all. Try not to be tempted to rescue her. If she eventually comes to sit next to you, show her love and acceptance. Come on, snuggle up here, I've got you. No judgments. No further analysis of the situation required. She just needed time and space to process that this is how things work here with you, which may be different from how things work at home. And that also, it's okay to be authentically expressing her feelings. 
Here's the fourth hint. Support the development of a capable child. You can use this strategies in many situations where Kate may be insisting that she has you to herself or that you do things for her that she is capable of doing herself. And it may take many, many, many times of repeating this response, but she will eventually learn that you mean what you say. This is also a good time to be teaching Kate that she is a very capable girl. Toddlerhood is the time when children are learning that they can in fact do things for themselves and our early childhood curriculum strongly advocates for supporting the development of self-help skills. Start with small wins, e.g. putting your shoes in the shoe box or putting your own bag away, helping you to set the table. And as she begins to experience independence and the sense of achievement and pride that goes along with that, she'll begin to want more of it. And you're right there supporting and celebrating with her. Number five, pick your battles. Or for want of a better term, think about what really, really matters. Think carefully and be thoughtful about how the environment is impacting on Kate or what is going on at home. Remember, in a five-day week, she may have some nights where she doesn't sleep as well, or she may wake super early or not eat well. And in a busy early childhood environment, she is constantly surrounded by a number of other children. She often has to wait for a turn. She is learning how to relate to other people and how to communicate. There's a lot going on for her. All of these factors and many others will impact on her energy and ability to cope or handle challenges. And it's really tough for Kate sometimes. While you want to be as consistent as you can in your limits and boundaries and responses to Kate, remember to have empathy for her little world. Sometimes it's simply okay to just scoop her up and sit together on the couch and refill her little emotional tank. And sometimes you just won't have the energy yourself to work through another meltdown. It's okay. If you are consistent most of the time, that is good enough. And it won't matter that you occasionally choose to take a different approach. Number six, use eye contact and non-verbal responses a lot. When Kate has ventured away from you to play, ensure you make eye contact every now and then to let her know that you're still there and that you can see she's doing great. You can smile, wink, nod, give her the thumbs up, clap hands for her. Sometimes she'll only need a little reassurance from you from across the room to refuel and feel confident again. Number seven, talk and give her time to think and respond to change. Talk with Kate first thing in the morning after she has settled in to create the tone for the day. Recall with her what you're going to be working on together today. For example, yesterday, Kate, you were such a great help when I folded the washing. I would love it if you wanted to help me again today. And when we sit at the table for morning tea, I'm going to save a seat for you right next to me. Because this lets Kate know that this is a new day and you are here for her and that you know what she needs from you. You can also give her reassurance before you go into transitions because transitions are often the times that bring about a bit of more stress than usual. For example, two minutes before morning tea, tell Kate, Kate, we're going to be heading inside soon to wash our hands for morning tea. Would you like to hold my hand when we walk there? Shall we hop or shall we jump? You can make it fun. Give her the choice. Empower Kate with acceptable choices and give her time to process that a change is coming, but you're going to be there to support her and others. 
This also lets her know in advance what you expect from her. So sometimes this will be enough to avoid any major testing of the boundaries. Okay, number eight, be reliable. I'm sure you already know this, but please don't leave the room or the play space without warning Kate. Building trust requires reliability. If necessary, ask another teacher to be with Kate when you need to attend to other children. Hopefully you have a secondary primary care partner who can be her second trusted person here. She may not like it, she may feel upset, but she will be okay because she has a consistent, responsive primary care relationship with you 99% of the time. Number nine, remember the right principle of being 100% attentive during care moments. Use nappy changes, meal times and bedtimes as opportunities for eyeballing, showing love and filling up her emotional tank. This is a time for a relationship. The more children are filled up by us during care moments, the more they will be able to play and learn independently later. And she will eventually show less clingy type behavior. Number 10, be honest with mum. Talk honestly with mum about how things are going. Discuss and agree on setting strategies and help mum to be consistent with these two. Mum can help by talking with Kate on the way in the car. Hey, today at Buzzy Bees, Susie's going to take care of you. I'm going to stay for a short play, then I will give you one of my superpower hugs and kisses and say goodbye. And I'll be back for you after afternoon tea time. This lets Kate know that mum is going to follow a consistent routine at settling and that mum feels confident about Susie taking care of her. Maybe Kate can draw some pictures for mum during the day. Remember to give mum lots of positive feedback about the things Kate has done during the day. You don't want the only communication with mum to be all about Kate having trouble settling or being clingy or having meltdowns. Take lots of photos of Kate having a good time and text or email them to mum during the day. Even call mum occasionally just to tell her that Kate is doing great. Tell mum funny stories about Kate. And remember that mum also gets really tired. So sometimes mum will be consistent and other times she just won't be able to. She's human too. And very last but not least, please take care of you, Susie. Talk with your teammates about how you're doing. Ask for feedback and ask for help. And make sure you're taking regular breaks, even just for 10 minutes to breathe, sit down, have a cuppa. Refuel yourself so that you can give your best to this child and the others too. Make sure you do things out of work that fill up your own tank, physical and emotional. An empty teacher is not able to keep up the continuous give fest that is five days a week. Remember, this child needs a loving, trusting, consistent relationship. Mum needs reassurance, support, guidance, and affirmation that she's doing the best she can. And you need support from your colleagues, time to rest, and the self-belief to know that you're doing great. Susie, in time, this will all be different. Kate will be a confident, competent, independent learner who feels loved, and who knows that she has a place here at your centre and with you. And when this happens, you can feel a great sense of satisfaction that you made a difference for this child. You've got this, Susie. So that's it for today. 
If you have a child who is struggling with resettling after being away for a break, take some time to have a think about your strategies, how you are supporting this child, and remember that with support and love, you'll get there eventually. Take care out there in ACE land. Ka kite anō whānau. Thanks so much for listening today. Join me again soon for another Lunch Bite podcast or one of our longer interviews with experts in early childhood education topics. If you'd like to read more on today's topic or grab some of our webinars, online courses and resources to help keep you current, then head on over to www.ecelearningunlimited.com. Ka kite anō whānau.